better or worse, the relationship between science, film, and media has long been intertwined. We're here to dissect that relationship, turning it inside out for all to see. And throughout the years, one truth has revealed itself. You don't need good science to make a good movie. But it sure makes it better. Hi, everyone, and welcome to The Real Science Podcast, the podcast where three highly qualified and beautiful professionals pick a movie and then pick apart the science. My name is Kenan Smith. My name is Sean Crossan. And my name is Michael Pace. And faithful listeners, for those of you who know and those of you who don't, this is a podcast where we pick a movie rife with science, and we distill it down to the bare essence and talk about the science that makes up the universe that it appears in. <laughs> well, well said. Carl Sagan. <laughs> like, Thank you. Um, Astrology is real. Okay. Oh. Okay. I don't know if that's an exact quote from Carl Sagan or not, but I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure <laughs> it is. I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna say probably not. I, th- I think that Carl Sagan said that to Neil deGrasse Tyson while Neil, while Neil deGrasse Tyson was sitting on the toilet and dreaming of Carl mm-hmm. Sagan. There we go. Paces on the paces on the callback train right now. He, he knew he <laughs> knew what right. I was doing. Pace, <laughs> do right. you uh, dream on the toilet? <laughs> Is that what you use you, yours for? You don't? Well, Pace, Sean, Pace is a robot, and androids do dream of electric sheep on the oh toilet. Oh, my God. There are just so many references, like, fucking firing over this my head of, right now. I feel like really I have to duck callbacks. under these references. You just do your thing and tell us what we watched this week. Okay, how about this? So, ladies and gentlemen, this week we watched the movie from, I believe, 1976, titled that sounds right. Logan's Run. Logan's Run was suggested to us by friend of the show kelly i don't know kelly's last name <laughs> kelly mccardle <laughs> kelly mccardle sorry kelly i we have come on <laughs> i'm sorry i a fellow irish fellow i can't believe but thank you for the suggestion yes uh, so yeah we watched logan's run and i guess we should just roll to fucking talk about it no we should do our disclaimers <laughs> what is wrong with you what has happened <laughs> the energy of the we studio do that. is electric in here <laughs> Sean, Yom Kippur is in like three weeks. I need you to get your shit together. Before we roll into this, we're going to need to hear just a few words regarding some disclaimers for you to listen to our program and why you should take some cautionary uh, steps before you listen. From our own patron, Matthew Licari. Ladies and gentlemen, Matthew Licari. <laughs> Thanks, fellas. You are listening to the real science cast where these three doctors are about to analyze the science and films that you request. You're about to hear some dirty, dirty words, and it is not safe for children. Seriously, they're about to use the words like clitorius and sperm. So strap the fucking cowboys and cowgirls and you gender-neutral cows! Yeah! <laughs> do we do this uh, every time, or just? I think he's so. Such I a think goof. you're supposed to laugh. He's, okay. he's such a big goof. Such what a, a funny, goofy silly goose, huh? What a, what silly a goofy goose. boy. What a goofy boy. Thanks for the disclaimers, mm-hmm. Matt. You can go now. We don't have an extra mic for you. Okay, sure bye. Don't. Bye, everyone. Bye, bye Matt. Matt. There he goes. Thank you for your contribution. Oh, he just flew into our sky. program. That's weird. Wow. Right, bye, Magical. Matt. Oh. All right, so. Hit by a plane. Oh. It's fine. I thought he was an angel. Just keep going. Just keep going. Okay, we'll just keep going. We'll keep. Okay, so so we did the disclaimers. We said what movie we were watching. So I guess all that's left, right? Roll some fucking bones. Roll some d twenties and see who does the plot summary this time. 
I rolled. You first. I always have uh, to go no, first. Sir. No, sir. I think you should. What go the first. fuck? Can you know why you have to go first? Because the last time you the, you are the only one who has lied about the numbers you've been rolling. <laughs> That's not true. You lie about your numbers all the time. I never yeah, lie. I you son of a bitch. <laughs> I did get, the Pace? plot last um, time. I got an eighteen, so I'm going to do this one. Yay! Um, Wait, what'd you get, Cannon? A fourteen. I said oh. it. You just don't listen to me. Oh, you're right. That's true. You said you're something right. about a dice. I don't know. Um, I'm going to go through this quickly because I Please I um, do. I don't, I don't know if the plot of this movie is as relevant to the science that we're going to be talking about for the sake of the listener. So this is a movie about a futuristic society in which humans have ransacked the earth and they all live in bubbles. And these bubbles house, I suppose, self-sustaining ecosystems is what we're led to believe. That's your assumption. Um, and the shtick, the crux of this world that they live in is that no one lives past the age of 30. Uh, you you age to 30, uh, and you go through a, a process called, I believe, the carousel ritual. Yes. And you are then supposedly reincarnated into the world, right? Yes, yes. Well, I believe there's like a chance that you get reincarnated. Like, I don't know. There's if- a chance, yeah. that it's, It seems, people seem to think that there's a good chance of being reincarnated, but no one really knows for sure. If it's going to happen to them or not. Like most religions. Um, like. <laughs> <laughs> you just got to believe, you know? Yeah, you just kind of got to take a take that, that leap, that leap of faith. Yeah. Um, and, and so in this world, there are these, um, there are these, these types of people. They're, they're, they're the everyday citizens, right? And they're all obviously very young and hip. Uh, and, and society is based upon basically hedonism, which is just, you know, living, eating, sexual intercourse. All things that go along with pleasure. And <laughs> aside from that, there there are basically only one other type of people that we're led to believe exist um, that aren't just standard citizens. And these are people known as the Sandmen. And the Sandmen essentially serve the purpose of, it seems just kind of keeping peace, but what they primarily are doing in this <laughs> particular story and in this world is preventing people called runners from escaping their fate of dying or being reincarnated at age 30. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so we get to know two Sandmen pretty well, these two best buds, Francis and Logan. And we see them just kind of going throughout their daily business, killing runners, you know, having a great time. Uh, however, eventually uh, there's a wrinkle that comes into the plot here, and that is that Logan basically goes to, um, I guess I will call it... um, Computer overlord. (laughs) Consult with the computer overlord. And essentially the computer overlord says, hey, um, I'm going to age you up until you're going to need to die. But what I want you to actually do is find out where all these runners are going. This, This fabled place called Sanctuary. And we had heard of Sanctuary... I believe because uh, Logan had met uh, this girl named Jessica. Um, he was trying to have sex with her, but she said no, um, <clears throat> which is a very aud- just audacious thing to do in in 1976. Um, oh, and uh, <laughs> yeah, this sorry, this movie was made before consent existed. But yeah, right. Honestly, like okay, brief aside, when he like summoned her to his chamber. And she was like, no, I don't want to have sex. I was like, oh, boy, I really hope this doesn't take a bad turn right here. And then it was fine. And <laughs> yeah. he was like, okay. I it mean, he been... asked her a few more times, but, you know. Yeah. He did. He was he, he was did. a douchebag, but he wasn't 
a terrible person. It wasn't yeah, a yeah. Blade Runner situation. Yeah. Right, right. He was rude and arguably sexist, but he was not, uh, he was, you know. Expecting someone who also wanted to have sex on the other end correct, of that exchange. Correct. Don't you, I think don't he you was, fucking victim yes. blame this 1976 movie? <laughs> <laughs> what? I'm just saying, like, they have some sort of, like, anyways, Pace, you continue System? with the thing. It was, it was weird. They the have, like, a is, fucking, like, sex teleporter. It was, it was literally like you put yourself on a network so that you can go fuck someone. They have Tinder. Right. They have Tinder. Right. That's what it's, it is. They have it's just fucking Tinder. Tinder. Yeah, it's yeah. just Tinder, except yes. you can teleport to the person. Only easier bedroom. because Tinder sucks. Yeah. I think, so the, what I was uh, basically getting at was that we had heard of this idea of a sanctuary where all these runners go to. Um, and I believe that Jessica brought it up to him. Uh, they had kind of discussed the idea of, of the sanctuary and, and why people run and, and you know, wh- why you might want to live past the age of 30, which... To the Sandman is a ridiculous idea. Why would you go against the the natural order of things? But upon hearing this from the supercomputer that he's going to have to go and find this sanctuary, he goes to Jessica, the woman that he had met, who who apparently has some connection to sanctuary through kind of this uh, necklace that she wears uh, that is kind of symbolizes the idea of sanctuary. Which is why he's asking her, and he's like, uh, "Hey, we need to. Uh, you need to help me so that I can escape and find sanctuaries. Otherwise, I'm going to die." And I guess at this point in time, we can't really tell if he's doing this for, like, good intent or if he's trying to do it for the sake of the computer to find out if Sanctuary exists and hopefully he can come back and, I, and you know, get restore his natural life, his, his the four years of life that he lost. I feel like he's still doing it with evil intent because, like, when he finds yeah. later what he thinks is Sanctuary, he immediately calls the cops. He does, like, yeah. Yeah, that's much true. That's true. So they 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 leave, uh, but unfortunately, on their way out, uh, Logan gets called in to chase down a runner, and this is in an area of uh, outside of the city where apparently they they store just sort of like uh, vagrant youths. Yeah, it's... and and uh, where they where they actually catch this runner, but they uh, they get to this point where uh, they basically battle off all of this this is a young young band of youths uh in an effort to try to chase this runner but the important thing that happens here is that uh logan lets the runner go and that kind of reveals his his intent to jessica that he is actually in this to run and escape from the city and escape the system and actually try to find sanctuary mm-hmm. uh and to do so they actually go to this this quote-unquote doctor who does face and body rearrangements so that they won't get recognized when they're trying to right. escape um, yes, quote unquote doc. Uh, and whenever they go to see this doc, uh, they're being pursued by another Sandman, importantly, who kind of chases them throughout the entire film mm-hmm. and is trying to realize what they're up to. Logan's friend, um, Francis. Mm-hmm. Logan's friend, Francis. So he knows them. He's familiar. He's suspicious. Uh, and so what essentially happens is that there is a debacle in the, uh, in the room with the face doctor because they, they think that, uh, he's, they think he's an actual Sandman, uh, and they try to kill him. Uh, and this kind of spurs on them to being hastened out of the city for, for good uh, as they really don't have any time left and they're not safe. Um, so this eventually leads them to uh, this place beneath the city. It looks like, I guess, down in some sort of like, uh, not in a sewer system yet, uh, but they're down in these sort of catacomb areas beneath the city. And at least to this sort of magical gate that they can use the Ankh, the necklace, uh, to oh, yeah. start their path to sanctuary. And throughout this process, uh, so, they basically go ahead. John. I was going to say, so basically they, they go down to the, the underground layer and they're confronted by like the underground network of people who are supporting the sanctuary thing. And they, mm. 
interrogate Logan and Jessica and basically say, like, why should we let him live? Like, he killed the doctor, who was one of our, like, informants, and he's a Sandman. And Farrah Fawcett basically, like, vouches for him and is like, oh, it wasn't yes. his fault. There was another yes. Sandman hunting him down. Mm-hmm. And so all the, the underground network decides, like, okay, you actually are trying to find Sanctuary and you're not trying to, like, expose us. Right. Um will tell you where to go. And they basically say, like, there's a corridor down the hall where you can use the Ankh, which is, like, the symbol on Jessica's necklace. They were like, you can use this as a key. And what they didn't know is that while they were waiting at the gate, uh, Logan actually notifies the other Sandmen that he has reached this underground network on his fucking phone. So Mm -hmm. after he's having this conversation, they're like, yeah, go down this way and use your key. Like, 20 fucking Sandmen bust in, and there's just, like, a huge gunfight, essentially, in this room. And uh, Logan and Jessica escape through the corridor, but they are still being pursued by Francis, who is, like, trying to kill Logan because he's like, you're a runner. How could you do this? We were friends. And he's chasing him down, trying to kill him. And then I will let you pick it back up from their pace. Hell yeah. Mm, guys, I can't do this. Okay, look in the sa- look in the sand, Pace. <laughs> when you see the two fa- pairs of footprints, and then you only see one pair of footprints... That's when I carried you. Okay. I mean, and and also in all <laughs> fairness to Pace, this movie meanders like a motherfucker. Yes, it does. Yeah. I just have a good memory for movies. I don't know why. I just you have a good memory period. Yeah, bro. I just have you a good remember. No, the problem is, is that I just don't, I don't, I don't care about the movie, so I'm not going to remember <laughs> it. I'll be entertained by it, but I'm not going to remember that. Pace, it's okay. In the movie. Here, t- hop on my shoulders. I'll carry you. Okay, I'm ready. Okay, I'm ready. Oh, oh Wait, Jesus. Do you feel me? Okay. Can I get up there too? Yeah. No, dude, pace is a lot mm. heavier than I thought. Kind of, you definitely can't get up here too. All right, I'll just walk beside you guys. Yeah, just walk beside it's us. But when you remember when you saw three pairs of, pairs of footprints in the sand, and then you like, <laughs> right? Saw two. And then there were only yeah, two. And that's when two. pace was riding on your shoulders, but I was still walking <laughs> yes. on the ground. Exactly. Yeah. So right. they're basically in this uh, underground sewer network under the city. That's where this corridor leads to, and they use uh, one of the the Ankh that uh, Logan confiscated off of one of the runners that he killed earlier in the movie. And Jessica has the key on her necklace, but she drops it behind. Mm-hmm. Um, so Francis is able to follow them. So all the other Sandmen are back fighting this underground network, and Francis is in hot pursuit of Logan and Jessica. They basically have a um, fucking Deep Blue Sea style like <laughs> flooding event. Oh, yes. <laughs> they're, yes. Uh, they're in like an underground area, and they're like, what is this? Like, this must be where fish are made. What are fish? They're, it's like a weird thing where they like start talking about like... I hate the scene so much. It's really Animal weird. Animal breeding. Basically, they're a... still being pursued by Francis. They end up yeah. getting on an elevator that goes up, and they end up, when they get off the elevator, in like an ice cavern. And... Yes. This ice cavern is the fucking weirdest part of the movie because they get there, their clothes are soaking wet, and they're like, we have to take these clothes off or we'll freeze to death. Let's put these furs on. Put on some pelts that are just lying there. And then five seconds after sitting there, they get back up because a robot comes in and they just put their old frozen clothes back on. And I never did not understand that. It's so (laughs) counterintuitive. They put the pelts over them. It was really weird. But basically, this robot is just speaking about fish and plankton and all that shit he's just talking fish about and plankton and plankton greens, the and protein, protein of the sea the protein of the sea <laughs> and uh he basically shows them that like they're like is this sanctuary and he's like i don't know sanctuary fish protein of the sea and they walk down a hallway 
and they find a horrifying site where they're uh, just a, a hallway full of supposedly runners who made it this far and then been frozen by this robot and they're just encased in bricks of ice and dead yeah and he was he was like he also was he also said the food stopped showing up but then new food started showing up and this is the food and then he shows them all these people and so it's like i don't know if this robot's just like eating people yeah like that's the thing is like does this robot know what food is because like (laughs) if no one's eating it then i don't understand how what the food is i I don't want to jump the gun maybe we should but i don't want to jump the gun but directly after this scene uh, when they meet the old man that i'm sure sean's about to talk about uh, the main character says everything made sense until box, and I have never related more <laughs> to a sentence in my entire life because yeah, this like, movie, that scene happens, and I was like, I don't fucking know what this is about anymore. <laughs> yeah. So the robot's name is yeah. Box. Yeah. Literally, they're showing him all the stuff, and they're like, "All oh, these people died." And then Logan's like, "We've got to get." Or they're sitting there looking at the frozen people. Box says, "Yeah." the new food showed up and then he goes time to freeze you and fucking goes like Mr. Freeze on them. Yeah. And all of a sudden he has guns, <laughs> pulls out giant, like fake ass guns that are supposed to be like freeze rays. Ugh. And he just starts chasing them around. And they basically just like shoot him with his Sandman gun, kill the robot and then leave his cavern. And they're out in the outside world, which the outside world is Washington DC that's been reclaimed by the swamp. Yep. <laughs> so <laughs> Nature we're going to ju- jump ahead a little bit cuz it, it's honestly there's a lot of wild shit in this movie but they basically meet an old man in like the fucking library of congress or something. It's just him and like 50 cats and he lives in the library of congress and he explains to them how like he has birth parents and he's not from the city and he grew up out here by himself. And so they're sitting there chatting with him. Francis is still pursuing them. He busts into the fucking library of congress. They have a big fight where they duke it out. And Logan kills Francis, finally. And then Logan and Jessica decide, we need to go back to the city and tell everybody there's, like, an outside and that you don't have to die at age 30. Mm -hmm. And so the old man goes, I'll come with you. I haven't seen people in, like, fucking forever. So they all go back. (laughs) (laughs) They fucking get to, like, the water intake system in the city. And the old, they're like, hey, sorry to tell you this, but you're way too old and feeble to dive through this water system. So you wait out here and we'll bring the people to you. And he goes, thanks for leaving the solitude of your home and traveling yeah. for weeks. And he literally goes like, no yeah, problem. Right. <laughs> it's just the fucking, and they just like, they get back into the city. They run into the city and it's right at the time when everybody's going to carousel. They're standing on a balcony and all of a sudden they just start like. I want to say hysterically pleading. That's what it looks like in the movie. Yeah. They just start hysterically pleading to people going like, you have to listen to us. You don't have to die. Don't go to carousel. (laughs) And like Logan says that. And then Jessica says that. And everybody just goes and like mumbles and keeps going to carousel. And then because they ran back into the fucking city, they get captured by a bunch of Sandmen and they get taken to the like, computer overlord that logan yeah. reports to and it Mother. interrogates him by probing his brain to find out what happened with sanctuary there's a really weird scene where it's asking him questions and logan is like answering in his mind and it's weird basically logan ends up escaping overpowering the sandman and then he destroys the timers uh for the city that keep track of everybody's life and while he does this it triggers a chain reaction that destroys the entire city. So 
everything's exploding, people are fleeing for their lives, and they all end up running outside because the walls are being destroyed for the city, and they get outside, they meet the old man, and there's a real weird scene, like Kenan said from Hook, when everybody sees Peter Pan for the first time, where they all just, like, touch him and they're amazed that he exists, and then the movie ends. Yeah. And that's Logan's run. (laughs) Yeah. You're welcome, Thank you very much, Sean. I I could not... uh, I felt like even with, like, 2.5 people helping with that plot, it took an hour. Yeah, that took a a long time. It was very long. I remember this shit because anytime I watch a movie, when I go to sleep afterwards, I will inevitably dream about the movie, so then it just, like, reinforces the plot of the movie (laughs) in my mind. I remember watching this film and thinking that every single scene that occurred was about 10 minutes too long. <laughs> every scene. Yeah. <laughs> it was just like... But that wouldn't have had to do with your state of mind at the time, though, would it? No, can? of course not. I f- okay. <laughs> it was awful. I feel like the movie was like... In the beginning, it was really cheesy, but still like, okay, like, I get what's happening here. Like, there's some action. There's some chase scenes. Like, I get what's going on. He's like a fucking mole in the underground society. And then when they meet the robot, everything, all fucking hell breaks loose, man. It's unreal. Yep. Box. It's like the writers went on strike halfway through the movie, and they just had, like, the intern, like, put his fucking fan fiction in there. Yeah, 100%. So... So, science, please save me. Yeah, so of course. Science? Of course. What do, what do we want to talk about first? I know we talked about using this as a springboard to discuss eugenics and selection and, and things like that. But what are, we, what are we feeling first, boys? I think that's a good place to start because that's definitely one of the premises is that everyone has to die at age 30. Mm-hmm. Um, right? Because that's, I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's how, the, how the world works. That's yeah. just the way it is. That's just the way it is. And it's Which also just the way, the, the way it is and that we're going to eventually uh, choose what our babies look like. Um, Hell yeah. Clearly. Do, are you guys waiting on me to start talking? Is that what this vamping yeah, is? Yeah, you usually lead us off on this part. <laughs> okay. That's what I want. We're just kind of like <laughs> vamping until you're ready to okay, go. Okay, so in the movie, there were two things we talked about. So mm-hmm. one major thing of the society is that children are not raised by their parents they have like breeding anonymous like breeding pods they like select people for breeding so it's clearly a form of eugenics where they're trying to select like attractive blonde people because that's like fucking everybody in this world it's true it's true Um, there are some dark haired people there are some but you know they're not the main characters so jessica's a main character she had pretty fuck, sure had blonde right. hair. Fuck. She had no. She, she had dark she hair, had dark dude. Hair. She had dark. But hair. it honestly doesn't matter in a world where you can change your face. So that that's doesn't true. matter. That's true. That's um, true. The point is, they have selective breeding, and the first scene in the movie, Logan is like looking at a new baby, um, just sitting in like a breeding pod because he's thinking like, oh, he's going to be Logan six or whatever, or Logan seven. He's like, he's going to be Logan seven, like the, the next, next Logan, Logan, who's a Sandman after I die. I just bring this up because we have discussed the concept of like, it's sort of like an art, not necessarily an artificial womb, but it's like a neonatal intensive care unit almost like it is because in this world, children are not like carried by their mothers. Like there aren't pregnant women. They like, I don't know if it's all done in vitro, like in a test Mm -hmm. tube or what, but the idea that's implied in this movie is that the babies are like grown outside of a human host. And so I wanted to talk about, 
artificial wombs. I was going to say, I think the implication is that the babies are produced using donors and it is carried external. It's carried out externally and then they are kept in those pods. Like, I think the implication that like sex in this movie is that sex is for fun and not for reproduction because the people who are involved don't know the other person who donated it. Yeah. So. Um, hedonistic society. I feel like this actually is maybe a good point. Like, why don't we talk about briefly, like in vitro fertilization stuff like that? Because I'm sure people have heard this term, but if you're not like trying to currently have a kid, you might not know exactly what goes on with that process. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like this movie, like the way they're portraying uh, the breeding scheme for humans, it's like half in vitro fertilization, then half science fiction. Uh, because we can basically, I mean, sperm can be donated from a male, like, no problem. You can get sperm mm-hmm. from somebody, and you can fertilize an egg to make an embryo in a test tube. You don't need to do that inside a person. A dish. But yeah. for humans, you need a female to carry, someone with a womb to carry the baby, which... Yeah. Um, is like essential for growing kid. Like we, you cannot grow an embryo in a dish to a full human in our current society with the current technology that we have. Yeah, and when, and when we say in in a dish, like IVF, in essence, is the retrieval of eggs um, from ovaries and then the application of sperm onto these eggs. The fertilization occurs ex vivo, so outside the body, um, and in vitro which is in a dish effectively in a scientific sense. And then after that, the fertilized egg eggs are implanted into the uterus of a, of a female host. Currently, like you need a female host to grow mm-hmm. the embryo. Like embryos are non-viable in humans out in like a dish. You can't do that. When you say eggs, because this, it's not, it's just one egg, right? This is, it's a very expensive process to do, right? This is thousands of dollars. So yeah. you literally are putting all of your eggs in a basket or in this case, a dish. <laughs> nice. Um, very nice. Topical. And, uh, cause j- just to increase your, your chances of, of, of success. That's right, Sean. The application of sperm is indeed topical. Hey, we're on a roll, huh? <laughs> we're doing it. More like on an egg. <laughs> Sorry. <No. laughs> okay. I'll, I'll on leave. an egg roll? I'll see myself. Okay out oh yeah no no still not a no, joke okay not, yeah, all right it's closer that's, that's just closer. that's just like word association more <laughs> <laughs> but the difference between uh ivf and what we see in this movie at least we're led to believe is that uh post fertilization uh an artificial uterus or as they refer to it in the movie and i'm using air quotes here ladies and gentlemen pods uh <laughs> are where these babies are <laughs> then brought to terms so to speak um, and I got to say, throughout this entire film, I was very unclear how time works and how, like, children were advanced because I understand, in essence, that, like, babies are born and they live until 30. But then they kept saying, like, oh, you'll go green next year or, you know, like, talking about the gems in their palms. And they said it to, like, eight different people. And I have no fucking idea. Like, they don't explain that very well, do they? Yeah. So at first it seemed like as they age they're like oh you hit a certain age and now you're red or you're green six or you're green seven or whatever but then it was weird because it kind of seemed like there were some like life events that it was based on not exactly your age like if you like hit puberty they were like you're green or something like I i don't know but they don't really talk about it yeah so it was it was very fucking confusing but that's like a a staging system for for 
for putting all these humans in subcategories based upon their, I guess, just how, how close they were to be death to and re death. reincarnation. <laughs> yeah, right. um, so that's great. Instead of counting up, they're basically counting down. <laughs> like they're like, you're so close to the fucking grave, man. You're so, so close to age thirty. You're, hey, you're gonna die. You're gonna die. <laughs> Which really um, makes us feel great for being so close to the age of 30, which is death in this movie. So Yeah, I'm like peaking right now, so I really don't... I would yeah, prefer Kenan not to die. Yeah, is 30, so Kenan would be dead in this movie. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, I would be... I'm currently on the run. I'm a criminal. Ken, Kenan would either be dead or an old man with 800 cats. Those are <laughs> yeah. his only options. Yeah. I mean, right. that honestly sounds fine. <laughs> yeah, right. I would take that. But anyways, Kenan, the reason we're bringing this up is... We talk about like what can be done in science fiction, what can be done in real life. Mm. Is there any way to like any research, or is there any like artificial womb in real life where you could grow a fetus or an embryo like mm. outside of the body? Yeah, absolutely. I think this is one of those things where, uh, uh, in science right now that in principle, yes, we can definitely do this, but in practices, practice, it's more difficult than it seems. Um, so there have been a couple of studies by a couple, I'm sure, I mean, more than what I have in front of me, uh, that have been done with people trying to develop artificial uterus, uteruses, uteri, 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 uterine, uterine, uteronies, uteruses, uh, uteronies. Yeah. I like uteronies. Uh, artificial uteronies have been in development for a while. <laughs> Uh, and we're actually to the point now where in 2017, uh, some researchers at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia uh, were able to show that they had grown premature lamb fetuses for about four weeks uh, on a life support system that was extra uterine. So they were able to keep, uh, keep these lambs alive for a while. Uh, and the idea being that in scenarios in which you would want to be able to keep a human alive, you would be able to employ this type of technology. Um, there's a lot of different considerations, obviously, that go into the complex system that is the human fucking uterus. Mm -hmm. But uh, a lot of these things are like waste disposal. So the application here is dialysis. You need to be able to oxygenate the fe uh, fetus. You need to be able to give it food. Uh, you need to be able to deliver hormones uh, as you uh, emulate that as you would within a human body. And then the question, of course, here becomes one of an ethical idea where like, okay, well, what sort of like different balances of hormones or different balances of nutrients are you giving this baby? If it's standardized, then you're going to get the same development, yada, yada. Um, but is it better to have that finer control? Um, and then there's a bunch of other things that are like actual physical replications of what are within the human body. So uh, a good example of this is the uh, endometrium, right? So uh, you need to be able to replicate a uterine wall. And so this idea is that you would have to have an artificial uterus that uh, has components, the similar components to the endometrium, right? In order to like function as this expelling process, like once the baby is born, how does that happen, right? Are you just cutting open a bag and pulling a baby out, or you know, <laughs> what's yeah, what's, right, what's, right? What's the process? Yeah, here? there's a lot of stuff that like we have evolved to be born certain ways. It doesn't mm -hmm. mean that like like we people are born via C-section doesn't mean you can't do other ways. It's just that like you need to consider what the benefits and dis and advantages and disadvantages are of each thing. Sure. And there's a lot, you know, that can be said between C-section and natural birth too, right? Like you can do something by C-section, but there's an argument for like exposure of the baby to different things, including like bacterial exposure upon ex uh, expelling from the vagina versus a C-section. Um, mm -hmm. And then a lot of other things that actually are involved in um, uh, prostheses already, this type of thing. So like an umbilical cord 
uh, would need to be used so you can continuously feed blood to a developing fetus? Uh, and then how do you prevent things like coagulating? How do you replace parts over time? Mm, so yep. it's a very complicated thing versus what we see in the movie, which is a baby in a box. Not box the robot. Not box the robot. <laughs> there aren't any babies. In, well, there could be a baby inside box. There is the a robot, human inside know. box, but <laughs> it could have been a baby. That's uh, true, which they don't hide very well. This was just um, kind of like a baby in a clear plastic egg, kind of like a Wonder Ball, or like it's, ex- it's <laughs> a well, actually, can it, the, what it's called it's like, in the in 2017 they called it what they called a bio bag is, is a bio what they, bag That's they right. called a bio bag which I don't like very much, but it's what they call it as the bio bag. I don't but, like it's honestly a bio bag just sounds like a like a gamer term for a colostomy bag, and I'm not fucking here for it. <laughs> It yeah, it's exactly, not great. I like your Wonder Ball uh, description. <laughs> Wonder Ball is, exactly is better. I don't like, like. Biobag. But the, the technology could be useful because a lot of babies are born prematurely, right? So maybe yeah. if this yeah. if this this sort of it could be applied to that, you know, if you could have some sort of supportive environment in which in which premature prematurely born children could could uh live in and be sustained, you know, to a, a more uh, toward their more independent age, that could be helpful. So. Yeah, 100%. And I think that was actually even stated by the person who led the study at Philadelphia had said that, like, this is not something that he believes could replicate a full pregnancy, but if you needed to save someone who is prematurely born, just like you were right, saying, exactly. we could potentially apply this sort of technology. Right, which is, like, a great distinction to draw because, obviously, in the movie, it's done for like a, from a eugenic standpoint of, like, we don't want parental influence on the kids and stuff we want them to be able to do the jobs that they have been assigned to in society and stuff but Mm -hmm. obviously when we're talking about this technology in the real world it's because if you have a child that is born prematurely like before the third trimester like the survival rate development issues they could be a huge issue and right now we have things Mm -hmm. that can be tried but it's not like it could always be better you know like a lot better so and I think like a lot of the technologies we discuss on the show and then obviously just a lot of science in general, this raises like a lot of interesting bioethics questions or ethical questions in general, right? So a lot of reasons for terminating a pregnancy early on once a person finds out they're pregnant is because a person might literally die if they try and bring a baby to term. So if we're able to keep a baby alive outside the womb, what does that look like? You have an alternative, right. but yep. should you be forced to take that alternative? My suggestion is no, but you know, a lot of people have other, other opinions, you know? Um, and so this is definitely one of those things that provided it would be something that we continue to develop. Like there'd be a lot of ethical questions that would surround it. That oh, are yeah. already ethical questions. Within Absolutely. Yeah. I think while we're on the topic, honestly, because this whole movie says a jumping off point to talk about this stuff. Maybe we should talk about some of the ethics of like other forms of eugenics, like, you know, gene editing and designer babies and stuff like that. Sure. Because that's definitely something that I feel like not scientists who are involved in the research, but the general public might be concerned about and oh, things definitely. like that. Well, um, we, we talked about it before with Gattaca, right? A little bit. We, we, we touched on it. We touched that's upon. That's true, actually. We did. Uh, yeah. We touched upon kind of the the problematic aspect of the financial impact that, that this sort of um, this sort of technology would would uh, would impose upon people as in sure. you know, only people with with certain degree of, of, of wealth and capital would be able to actually uh, afford to apply certain features or uh, to, to their children and then also the question becomes I think, should you only have to pay for enhancements or should you also have to pay for the prevention of diseases that could be 
you know, prevented using that technology as well. Where do you draw the line from that perspective? Yeah, I agree. And also this, this movie touches on kind of a different aspect from what we touched on with Gattaca, which is uh, within Gattaca, it's more of like a personal onus to do these types of things. Whereas it's very clear in this movie, it is like the designation of appropriate uh uh, embryos or citizens of society is a hundred percent dictated by the government, or I guess right. they're fucking robot mom, which is the uh, acting yeah. government. Yeah, in this movie. it's like it's societally imposed. Yeah, exactly. Which brings up a whole different thing, because like obviously there are some ethical things that are similar and some that are different, right? Like that has nothing to do with the parents' means, because in the society there are no parents. It's just like right. breeding pods and what the society needs, but. Maybe we could talk about, I don't know, some of like how in the real world right now, how things like gene editing work and why people are concerned about that stuff, even though they don't really need to be. It's more being concerned about people, not being concerned about the technology. Yeah, I, I 100%. I mean, I think there's a lot of like eugenics as a concept is definitely something that has a lot of uh, it has a sordid history because it's been applied in a way that is far less desirable than I think anybody would actually want. And that is that is arguably ethical. Um, yeah. The concept of eugenics is more was originally coined with this idea that um, instead of selecting, well, instead of like getting rid of things you don't want you just encourage people who have favorable genetics or who are like doing well to have more kids, which is problematic in of itself. But a lot of what has been applied throughout the years by specifically governments or peoples, but uh, are known as negative eugenics where you prevent uh, people with undesirable traits from reproducing. So there's been a lot of stuff like, you know, in the early days of medicine where uh, people would forcibly sterilize criminals uh, because they're, you know, a bane to society. And this was back when the idea right. of, like, being a criminal was a heritable thing. And, like, you could look... Do you guys remember this, like, idea Phrenology? That, uh, what was it? Phrenology? Yeah, yeah. Well, you that, look at the shape of someone's head and tell, that's like... That's 100%. It was definitely racially motivated. But that, yeah. that idea also had existed, like, a while, like like years prior before it was uh applied in a like with racial motivations this idea is like a sloping brow and like for like you know big eyebrows like if you look like a bad guy then you're probably going to be a criminal right um it was literally like why don't we just judge books by their covers <laughs> like that's basically what they were i think an important distinction is is i'm gonna pull a me here and i'm gonna say we should probably really tell and give a good definition of exactly what eugenics is and, and especially in the context of maybe the movie and how it's been uh, discussed and applied in the world as we know it. So like the formal definition is just the, the quote unquote improving of a human population mm -hmm. by controlled breeding, right? By like leaning towards the occurrence of the, of the, again, quote unquote, desirable, terrible characteristics. I would even argue that what we're doing with gene editing and the potential of genetic, you could say maybe that's modern eugenics, or some people might even say that's just medicine. Well, that's a good point, right? Because there's a lot of, when people think about eugenics, it always has a negative context when people think about it, because sure. they're like, it's it someone... until World War II. Right. That was when but, it's... But I think modern-day eugenics, people think of it as yes, absolutely. negative, because when people think about curing genetic diseases they do not think of that as eugenics they think of that as disease therapy which is right. different right yeah right and when you're talking about stuff that's heritable 
And if you are curing something that is going to be passed out, that treatment is going to be passed down to the offspring, you are, I mean, that is a form of eugenics. You are just yeah. eliminating an undesirable trait that causes a disease. Yeah. And most people right. don't have a problem with that, uh, which is good because, I mean, that's kind of what we work on. We don't work on, we work on treating it at the individual level, not for like a population or anything like that. So it's not eugenics, but it's the tech, same technology that people are worried about with sure. stuff like that. Yeah, sure. I, and I think a lot of this is like the the idea of genetic editing is far more of a uh, morally conscious approach than these things in the past, right? Like, I mean, we talked about like I talked about briefly about direct, like forceful eugenic selection, but there's also kind of like a gray area here too that is also. Um, I guess you could argue morally positive uh, in this regard where it's uh, on the onus of somebody who has like, say a recessive negative trait, uh, say something like Tay-Sachs disease or cystic fibrosis. You know, if you have two people that come together and say, Hey, we're both positive for this. We can make a decision at this point as to whether or not to pass this along. But you know, you can make another argument there saying that like, you can't ever really get rid of recessive traits this way. You can only very, very lower their prevalence within the population because screening is never going to be hundred percent perfect. So one of the things that I'm driving at here is this idea that um, uh, in recent years uh, within the Ashkenazi Jew population, which a lot of these uh, genetically transmitted disease have elevated president, uh, prevalence, there's a much higher onus to do genetic screening to figure out, okay, is this something we're going to pass yeah. along? Do we have to consider this? And at that point, you can pick back up with genetic uh, editing too um, because a lot of this runs into um, the, uh, a lot of this runs into this idea of like, okay, we know we have this. Is genetic, in, genetic editing available for a fetus we might have that will get rid of this trait or at least alleviate those symptoms uh, as that fetus develops. Right. And I think it's important to point out that like currently genetic editing is in like the research phase. Like yeah. this is not being, this is not an option that's offered to anybody. Now there is like selection where like, say you're doing in vitro fertilization or some genetic screening and you have like, I don't know, 12 fertilized eggs that they're going to implant they can screen the eggs for specific diseases and just not implant ones that have diseases. So they can basically select ahead of time to try and make a human that does not have like a genetic disease they can test for. But right now there's no, you cannot, there's actually a like law passed against this in a lot of countries where you're not allowed to do genetic editing on human embryos. And it's because people don't know what the implications are going to be of that. Because right. they're economic, yeah. societal, ethical, like, and, well, and scientific you know, health implications. Too. Yeah, scientific. So, so this is more effects. in theory, but I think it's always an interesting topic to bring up because it's something that I think people, when you hear designer babies, people always have this weird worry about it, which is like the last trait that people would actually give a shit about when if you could do genetic editing. Like, yeah, 100%. Oh, I'd like to not have Friedrich's ataxia. Okay, yeah, no, that sounds great. Yeah, yeah, that, sounds, yeah. that sounds good, yeah. Understandable. <laughs> like, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think that's a, that's honestly a lot of what I wanted to talk about science-wise from this yeah. movie. No, um, me too. I think I think we got to inject a little bit more of like an expanded uh, repertoire of what we talked about in, in Gattaca, and we got to briefly touch on eugenics, which is fun. I mean... Um, you know, we didn't, this all started with Spartans throwing babies off of cliffs, I guess. And we're, we've ended up in genetic That is editing, true. So, yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> I feel, God, I feel like what a journey a, we've uh, gone on. It's been a yeah. market improvement. <laughs> yeah. Great. We did it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, was there anything else? Do you want to talk about anything from the movie? Like any weird scene? Because I can do my segment. I can do Sean's movie quotes from Rotten Tomatoes. I would love <laughs> for you to do that. I think we need to do that after the... Oh, shit. I guess we're in the ratings. We're in the motherfucking ratings. That's right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go first because All I'm right. feeling because you got a nice smolder going yeah. on your voice. This is Kenan's run tonight, baby. <laughs> Smoky. I thought of this movie. As far as entertainment is concerned, I'm gonna give it a three out of five. Okay, you're because back to was, the five point scale. Uh, okay, it was definitely listen. This movie was entertaining, but it wasn't entertaining the way the movie was trying to be <laughs> at all. No, it's absolutely correct. Yeah, I this movie was really, really poorly done, and it was uh, being made in 1976 is no fucking excuse. But yeah. it was fun to watch because it was like watching a train crash in slow motion. Yes, correct. As far as the mm-hmm. science goes, I'm going to give it a one out of five because there yeah. wasn't any science in the movie except for babies being born in a Wonder Ball. And that's not how anything works. What is in a Wonder Ball? I wonder. I wonder. In this wonder case, <laughs> who it's, I a, do, I who. it's a baby. It's a human baby. It's a, it's it's a, a human baby. fetus in yep. the Wonder Ball. Human, human fetus. It was, isn't there chocolate in there too? How do Wonder Balls work? Chocolate. Sometimes yeah, you get little toys and crunchies. There's like and... candy inside chocolate. Yeah. It's, it's crunchy. Like a, it's like a hollow ball candy. of milk chocolate full of candy. So if the human fetus were to fall out of that, it would not be a good time for anyone. Well, like the chocolate would melt when it's in contact with its body just because the human body temperature would melt the milk chocolate. Oh, that's actually a good point. To your Wonder Ball and you're trying to get some tasty treats and then you end up finding a baby, you're you're on the verge of uh, cannibalism. There'd just be a soupy sweet baby inside of a foil wrapper is what you're saying. I'd like to give people the benefit of the doubt that if they found a baby in their Wonder Ball, they wouldn't just eat it right away. Well, but then why is it in there, Sean? This Halloween, I need you to look out for three things. (laughs) Do they make Wonder Balls anymore? (laughs) I think they do. Was it a Nestle product? There are razor blades, thumbtacks, and human fetuses in your ki- oh child's food. Oh, my God. Screen Jesus. your... Guys, we're scientists. We have to get the word out. Screen where's, your children's candy. Where's that Screen Halloween movie? Screen your Wonder Balls. <laughs> that's, that's a fucking... People make all these horror movies. That's a horror movie where, like, kids go trick-or-treating and it's all just, like, a family-friendly movie and then at the end of the night, they're all opening their loot and just every piece of candy has either a poison, loot. a razor blade, or a fetus inside of it. <laughs> The fetus is a really wild card option there. You don't expect to find that in candy. Razor blades are one thing, but... And who's putting them in there? How do they get them all in there? I don't know. Dr. Nestle. And what's the deal with airline food? Am I right? (laughs) How do they fit these fetus in the candy? (laughs) All right, Sean. It sounds like you're going next. Let's hear it. Okay, so I gave the movie a 6 out of 10 for my entertainment because I actually was kind of hooked watching it, but then the second half really just really started trailing off it kind of got a little too buck wild for me um and for the science i mean one out of ten i guess babies can't be grown in pods and you don't have freeze rays so (laughs) i'm just gonna give it one out of ten pace yeah um i'm gonna give the science also a one out of ten i don't think this movie was trying to be scientific um i think it was trying to be weird um, and it did achieve that. Uh, Sean, Sean, you pointed out some 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 poorly done scientific aspects. The guns in this movie. We didn't oh, talk about yeah. the guns. And the oh. guns essentially, 
just appear to be things that these guys are holding, and then they set off explosions in certain areas yeah. where they go off. But it, aiming doesn't really seem to be a thing here for these guns. And also, no. it's just they just they seem to be sort of blaster rays. Pace, um, to drive your point home, there is a scene in which our protagonist fires a weapon, and he misses, and it hits the ground. And you can literally watch a trail of gunpowder light on fire on the ground yeah, in front yeah, of him. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I mean, the movie had a very low budget, clearly. Yes. Clearly, clearly, or at least... The, even if it had a high budget, then shame on the director. Um, but for the entertainment factor, I'm going to give it. I'm going to. I'm going to give it a seven out of ten. Um, right? It's weird yeah. because it seems like it should be so all everything about this movie seems like it should be so much lower, right? But it's mm, not it bad. Does. <laughs> it's it's it, it, and it was a seven out of ten because of how horrific it was and how horrific the acting was because the actress who plays Jessica. Oh man, she needs she needs a lot of work. She needs him to go to an acting coach because she would sometimes say things um, and respond to certain things, and then she would pause for about three seconds, and then you'd think she's going to say something else, but the movie just keeps going, and no one really cares. <laughs> I would argue that there is literally every single person in this movie does a bad job of acting. Agreed, <laughs> all of them. Agreed, it's Except not good. Except maybe it's not good the guy acting. who plays the old man. He was he yes he was quirky and weird and he actually kept a straight face about it the whole time so I will, yes. I'll give you that the reason it was, it was seven out of ten was because it was so horrific and so wild and so out of this world that it just kind of like it kept and it kept getting weirder as the movie goes on yeah. and so that's yeah, why you couldn't did. stop watching it it's like what's gonna happen next so it's kind of I, like oh sorry no I, that, that I've that I've said my spiel I think we can move on I feel you. I feel like it's like like if you describe Fifth Element to someone, they're like, "That sounds awful," and then you watch Fifth Element, and you're like, "Wow, that was great!" And you're like, "Hell yeah, yeah!" Like it's one of those like it's so fucking weird, but it hooks you in. Are you ready for the segment? I'm ready for the segment. Please, all right, do a jingle. Okay. Um. Uh, uh. When you're feeling low and you don't know where to go, come inside the Real Science Cast. Sean is gonna do this next section fast. <laughs> Thanks, Kenan. Hey, welcome to the mini segment where we look at the quotes for the movie listed on Rotten Tomatoes. First quote is from Francis, and the quote is, when you question, it slows you down. Ooh. <laughs> okay. I mean, that's... Right. I like that, that one, a lot. That one is better than that's the last one. a good quote. One. Yeah. Uh, okay, now, how about this? We got Old Man, who says, the naming of cats is a difficult matter. <laughs> Which is is a quote, I, but why were there cats? He, why? I want to point out also that he quotes T. S. Eliot throughout this throughout that entire scene. Huh. Much like the hit musical Cats, this old man is very in touch with T. S. Eliot. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, so that's the and the third quote is from Jessica, and it just says, "I hate outside. I hate outside." <laughs> that's the quote. So I feel like these quotes are buck wild, but the movie's so buck wild. You're like, this might be the most relevant line from the whole movie. I don't know. It's hard to tell. I hate outside. I hate outside. But uh, yeah, those are the Rotten Tomatoes top three quotes. Bwomp. Do you guys want, can I, do you want me to say the tagline real quick? Yes, please. Sure. Okay. The only thing you can't have in Logan's world is your 30th birthday. Unless you run away, and Logan is twenty nine. That's wait, what? That's the that's whole, the tagline. 
you want me to read it again? How many ellipses are there between all of these? <laughs> there are two sets of ellipses in this sentence. That's the tagline okay. for the movie. Unless that you doesn't really reel you in, though. And also, Logan is 29. <laughs> well, well, I, you, you'd think they would imply that there's that sense of urgency. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wait, okay, read it again. I need to hear this fucking thing again. The only thing you can't have in Logan's world is your 30th birthday. Unless you run away. And Logan is 29. That last part is completely <laughs> it's unnecessary. Such a weird qualifier. They're like, they're like trying to make it all dramatic. Hey, you're gonna die when you turn thirty, unless you don't. And you're like, oh, unless okay, you don't. I guess. And the main character is twenty nine. There is actually another tagline, and it's a movie that begins where your imagination ends, which is very good <laughs> is because they accurate. definitely ran out of shit to say with this movie. They did. Yeah, they did. They were just like, play more synthesizer. <laughs> You guys want to do some fucking questions? Uh, sure. Do we have questions? I have one. All right. I don't know if we have more than that. Well, we have one that we're not going to address on the show because it's too much to do. But um, I have one from a uh, friend of the show and longtime listener, first time in a long time question asker, Bartholomew Hoffman. Uh, All right. He says, so my question is, if you're creating your perfect bubble world, at what age would you kill off your population to keep it at the best? Oh jeez! Huh. So rough. How old are the baby boomers? <laughs> wow! Like, all right. <laughs> How old do you become phobic? Because <laughs> that age. Yeah. Huh. Sorry, mom. Sorry, dad. Gotta go. I mean, so in the movie, it's thirty, and and you wonder how they landed on thirty. To be honest, he's um, just like so fucking young. Well, not in nineteen seventy-six. I haven't even paid off like. We're not even going to finish paying off student debt until we're like 36. Hey, so like, Sean, oh, I'm going to be 39 for sure. You'll be dead. It's fine. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. You don't You're have to right. worry about it. Yeah. Ooh, wait cares. a second. <laughs> we'll just see what's the average <laughs> the average age when people pay off their student loan debt. Mm-hmm. And we'll just like And then they die. Shorten and then they it die. by like yes. we'll shorten uh-huh. it by like 5 years. <laughs> yeah, I like this. I like this. You can't collect on a corpse. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Even though I feel like if you had a society like that, people would not give you loans for shit if you were that close. No, you know? that's 100%. a good point. That's a good point. It would change the whole dynamic. Also, as far right. as we can tell, there's no school in this. It's just all people fucking or running around trying it's to all, stab each it's other. It's all just, it's all food, sex, and love, and, and horny boys. Actually, this sounds great. I'm fucking here for it. Yeah, this um, sounds like your kind of world, Kenan. But I think Sean and I agree on this, and I, I'm going to say 48. Oh. Why do we agree on 48. I think 48 is probably like right on the cusp of where you start being an asshole as an old person. <laughs> yeah, that's probably like the over yeah. under. Is it 48? 48 right? or 50, I would say is like right there. Yeah. yeah. Right when you start being like you're you're at you're at the dinner table with like your kid and their friend and you say something that's just like a little racist. It's like, "Oh, like, pops like you're just trying to make a joke yeah. but it definitely yeah. doesn't land because it's, it's just it's really a little insensitive. too racist yeah and they're like daddy i think it's last day i think it's last day for pops <laughs> oh Jeez. no i'm gonna avoid the question by putting a fucking Shyamalan twist here okay where i would make separate age distinctions but instead of killing off the people i would just be like you 
or now 31, you're in the 31 to 45 pod. Oh, like, that's, that's actually it. really like, good. And so yeah. you just you're just like you can't be mad at young people and judge millennials yeah. because you're in this pod now. So you just deal with your own shit, you know. So like the 55 to 60 pod is just all Jimmy Buffett and STDs, right? Like it's just <laughs> yeah. it's just Florida. <laughs> and then you just have the 60 plus pod yeah. where people are just, you know, it's just people it's are just, just wandering around the west out things. there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that. I cool. like that. Which is kind of, I guess, how society works in general, but you're yeah, literally, like, completely isolated. Like, you don't know. Yeah. You're just like, yeah, I knew this person. They turned 31, and they're fucking gone. I the people in the 55-60 pod have zero control over the politics of the 25-30 yeah. to 30 pod. Exactly. It's all completely different. Hmm. Pace, when do you want to kill people? This is tricky. This is very, very tricky. So I'd like to kill people at lots of ages. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Okay, do you know well, what I mean? Evidence will be used in court. Yeah. I would basically like to kill people between the ages of probably like, like eight and 17 Allegedly. and like eight to 17, no humans. Um, we'll, we'll lock them up from that time period so they can't cause trouble. Well, those are the and cubs. We'll just put them in the cathedral. Those are the just, cubs. See, yeah. they already did this. They, they took care of this buck wild me. in there. Yeah. And then you're let out probably from like 18 to, uh, I would say probably 54. I think you were, I think you were a little, you know, you don't give the 48-year-olds enough credit, Kenan. You know, 48 is essentially the new 27. And, you know, I think... 48's the new 27. Oh, yeah. I mean, As a 30-year-old, I, think... I feel great. I have a lot to look forward to. That means 30 like is the new 17. Right now. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, yeah, I think I'm going to go with 54. But also, we can't have teenagers. So, that's that's, that's my that's my additional rule. Because teenagers just, are shitty. We stick the teens in the teen zone. And then after 54... You're just gone. Okay, I got. I have the idea. The teen zone with the cathedral mm-hmm. area. Like to me, it kind of reminded me of like an awesome laser tag arena in the movie. <laughs> I feel <laughs> like it should just be like part trampoline park, part laser tag, like part teen nightclub, so they could just do all oh. their fucking wild oh. teen debauchery. Yeah. I was gonna, I was gonna talk <laughs> just, about a teen nightclub about like that. Being it's that. just everybody just fucking hopped up on Kool Aid and grinding <laughs> on each other. A giant foam party. Yeah, oh, please. Exactly. God. And the team, they can just get it out of their system in there. Yeah. By the time they come back to the regular pod, they'll be like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to have sex. I'll <laughs> <laughs> be like, I don't need this. Uh, <laughs> oh, geez. I spent all that time in the teen nightclub and I still don't know what I'm doing. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right. I want to move on blur. from this uncomfortable subject. Okay. Yeah, okay. That's fair. Okay. Do we have any other questions? We're done, I guess. <laughs> I think so. That's it, boys. I, I do want to say that we got an additional question from Kelly McArdle uh, that was, in reference to Carousel, uh, asked us to talk about um, violence as public spectacle uh, and the psychology behind that. And no, none of the three of us are equipped at this moment to discuss Well, that. I mean, you know, I eventually I'm going to be able to tackle that. That's a really, really yeah. cool question and a cool concept. So I, we're definitely going to talk about it probably in a mailbag episode. I, would I think. think we're probably going to do a mailbag episode soon. So get us some extra questions. Yeah, probably in about a month. Hell yeah. Yes. And these can um, be related to, in general, science, anything about any movie we watched, uh, or questions about us as humans. Mm-hmm. Thank you all for your questions, Kelly and Bart. They were very yes. helpful. Thank you very much. I would like to acknowledge a new patron, Ooh. Jenny Crossan. Ooh. Hey. Thank you for being a patron, sis. Thank you. Yes, You're the thank best. you. Make sure you get us those movie suggestions. Send us three, and we will pick one 
that we think we can do the show on. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Yeah. And thank you to all the listeners for listening to the show. It means a lot. We really appreciate it because we're all pretty busy and we take, you know, set time aside to do the podcast because we really enjoy doing it. And it means a lot that people listen to it. So thank you. Thank you to Otis McDonald for the use of his song. Third Eye Blimp is the intro and outro of our podcast. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. uh, thanks to, I don't know. Thank, thank, hey, thank you guys. Hey, thank you. Yeah, thank so you you're welcome. Thanks, um, thanks both of you for taking time out on your busy Wednesday. Absolutely, no problem, man. <laughs> mm-hmm. Of course. And if you want to contact the show, you should email us at realsciencecast at gmail dot com, gmail dot com, gmail, gmail dot com. Cats only. Wow, gmail. And then you can also tweet at us at Real Science Cast or also at Real Science Cast on Instagram, and also so, search for Real Science Cast on Facebook. Sorry, it would be realsciencecats at gmail.com. <laughs> quick, quick, Kenan, quick, just, Kenan. Get that email. Get that email now. Really get it right cool, now. Okay. cool science cats. <laughs> Before the episode goes up, you got to get it. I got it. I'm on it. I'm on it. I'm on it. All right, perfect. You can Tell just have that redirect. Tell people what we're going to watch next. Go, go, go. Okay, so next week, we got something, or not, it's, yeah, two weeks. In two weeks, our next episode, we got something special for you guys. We are going to do... Jurassic World. And now you may be thinking, wait, didn't you guys do Jurassic Park already two years ago? We did. It turns out it's exactly two years ago uh, when the episode will release. So uh, for our two-year anniversary, we're going to do Jurassic World, talk about some of the updated science, and hopefully the episode will be a little crisper since we've been doing this for two years now. Mm-hmm. Yes, and maybe this time, Sean can rectify what he did to Jurassic Park. <laughs> On October tenth, two thousand seventeen. That's true. That was only our second episode ever. Yeah, that was. That's so crazy. We've been doing this for two years. Jesus Christ. And we're no better at it. <laughs> we're a little I'd, better. I'd say we're a lot better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you go listen to episode two, Kenan, and then I tell me what you think. Refuse. It upsets me every time I see that someone listened to one of the earlier episodes. Yeah, and, and but that's I okay. That's that. why we're doing Jurassic World. We'll talk about some of the similar stuff and the new updates from the new series with Christian Pratt, and uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, it's going to be a good episode. Uh, so good. send us your questions for that, um, and uh, I think with that we can wrap it up. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually just real quick. Just one moment. Just one sec. Real quick. Okay. All right. We up. now have realsciencecats at gmail.com. If you have science related, if you have science questions related to cats, please email us at realsciencecats at gmail.com. My name is Kevin Smith. <laughs> My name is Sean Crossan. I'm Michael Pace. And remember, meow, 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 All right, cool. Okay, so are we recording? Is that? Oh, what's the next movie? The next movie. What's These Tori's are good. suggestion? What is Tori's suggestion, Kenan? Fuck. All right, hold on. Let me open. I don't know why you're yelling so much. Because you're distracted and it's frustrating. Uh, <laughs> um, it's Encino Man. No, oh, that's me. Fuck, no, wait, don't read Tori's suggestion. <laughs> it's Encino Man. Um, you can talk about the cryogenics and genetic diverse divergence between early cavemen and modern humans and how lifestyle has changed. 
Uh, and then she followed up with, Sean told me not to tell you that, but I have given you the forbidden knowledge. It's because I was telling her That's that... That's a really good suggestion. You said, we, I want to watch Encino Man, and I was like, can you just tell me one fucking piece of science that we'll talk about from Encino Man? And you were like, no... And so we haven't done it. And I said that to Tori and she was like, I have science. And I'm like, don't tell Kenan or we'll have to do Encino Man. <laughs> I want to do Encino Man. I think that's a very good idea. I feel like I've heard that name of that movie before. Are we going to follow up Logan's run with Encino Man, Kenan? No, I really think we should pick something else first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think we should really put like a buffer movie. I think Santa Claus Conquers the Homophobes is going to make its way into my into my Amazon cart. 